Good morning, Journey. Hey, praise the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about today. Turn to somebody sitting next to you and look at him and say, praise the Lord. Oh, that wasn't very good. Now, listen, if you're, more than, if you're with more than one person, turn to your second choice. You don't have to explain why you didn't pick them first and say, praise the Lord. One more time. Praise the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about praising the Lord. We're in the final message of our summer series, Summer in the Psalms. This is week 11. We've been living here for almost three months, and today we hit the final chapter of the book. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 150, or maybe grab your Journey app and open it on your phone so you can follow along. Pull out some notes. Here are our goals as we dig into Psalm 150 today. Number one, we want to reflect on our spiritual journey in life as we've journeyed through the Psalms. So we get 11 weeks of the Psalms kind of under our spiritual belts, and we're going to reflect on, okay, what's going on in life? What have we been learning in the Psalms? How does that help us? How should that change us and make us closer to Jesus? Anyone who's been walking with Jesus for more than a minute knows that life is hard, and spiritually, we've got to get deep in order to handle a life that is difficult. So we're going to reflect on our journey, and then number two, we're going to praise the Lord. Those of you outside, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Those of you who are still worshiping with us at home, about 70% of our church is still watching from home. We love you. We miss you. Uh, We look forward to seeing you whenever you're able to come back, but we're really glad that you're with us this morning. Psalm 150 says this. You're going to read the word praise 13 times in six verses. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today, we're going to talk about praising the Lord. I heard a story several years ago about a liberal preacher who didn't really believe all the Bible, who got invited to speak at a Pentecostal church that was dying. And you say, why was the church dying? Because all the people were old and they were dying. It wasn't like they were dying in faith. It was just kind of slowly dying out. And this pastor showed up. He decided to teach through the story of Moses and the Israelites walking through the Red Sea on dry ground and the Egyptian army dying in the sea after they got to the other side. And as he was reading through that story, a little old lady in the back, if you've ever been to a Pentecostal church, you know, they can talk back to the stage sometimes. Little old lady in the back started saying, praise Jesus, pastor. Hallelujah, preacher. Praise him. And after two or three times, he stopped and he said, um, like, what, like why, why are you doing that? Um, and she said, well, pastor, I'm just thinking about God taking the sea and parting it wide open so those Israelites could walk through. And that just makes me want to praise him, the power of God splitting the sea. And because he didn't believe all the Bible, he said, listen. And he was annoyed. Listen. He said, they may have walked through on a sandbar. The water may have only been a couple feet deep. Like, we don't know that's what really happened. Like, can, like, can you please be quiet? And she thought about it. She got quiet for about 60 seconds. He continued on in his message. And then she said, oh, pastor, praise Jesus. Hallelujah, pastor, praise Jesus. And he looked at her and he said, what now? And she said, I'm just thinking about God drowning the entire Egyptian army in a foot of water. Pastor, praise Jesus. He is so powerful. And he said, what would make you be quiet? And she said, when God stops working, I'll stop praising him. Our goal today is to reflect on how God is still working, even in the midst of 2020, and to praise him. Before we dig into learning how to do that, let's pray together. If we could, would you bow your heads with me here? Those of you watching at home, take a deep breath if you haven't done that yet today. 
And just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven. Ask God to speak to you today. Speak to us today, Lord. That's our prayer. Teach us how to have a heart of praise to you in and even through our current circumstances. Not in spite of them, but right in the middle of them. Thank you for what our journey through the Psalms this summer's taught us. Today, God, we praise you as an offering for all that you've been teaching us and what we're going to learn today. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. So we're at the end of the book of Psalms. We're at the end of this series on Psalms. And what we're going to learn is the book of Psalms ends with a response of praise. The book of Psalms began with kind of a, 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 a theology of Hey, if you follow God, good things are going to happen to you. And if you don't follow God, bad things are going to happen to you. And then that theology is kind of unwound as life experiences happen. But we get to the end of the book of Psalms and the people of Israel are once again praising God. You say, how resounding is the praise at the end of the book of Psalms? Look at the beginning of the last five chapters of Psalms. Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, 150 all start with the exact same words. The last five chapters of the book of Psalms all begin this way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're watching, maybe not familiar with the Bible, you say, of course it says it. Like, it's the Bible. The Bible tells you to praise the Lord. Well, you haven't been listening all summer if you think that, because the Bible does tell us to praise the Lord, but the Bible works with us through situations in life where we don't feel like praising the Lord. Psalm starts with this thought, follow God, good things will happen. Don't follow God, bad things will happen. And then kind of life experience unfolds that. David said, that's what I thought, but when my spiritual worldview gets tipped upside down, God, what do I do? God, when my heart gets broken by experiences in life, God, what, what do I do? God, when people hurt me, do I lash out at them or, or do I let you take care of that? God, when I'm trying to figure out who is in charge of my life, do I give it to you or do I give it to somebody else? Like, uh, God, when, when I really don't want to get out of bed and come to church, like Pastor Dan talked about last week, but then I get there and it's so worth it. Like, God, what we find out in the book of Psalms is life is a wrestling match spiritually. And the book of Psalms is a spiritual wrestling match. God is good. Follow him. Everything goes well. But then the rest of the book is this wrestling match of do I really believe that? Does life really prove that? I'm having a really difficult time. What do I do? By the time we get to the end of the book, we see the psalmist say, no matter what happens in life, we are going to pin whatever's happening in our life, whether it's lament, whether it's hurt, whether it's pain, whether it's discouragement, whether it's depression, whether it's the coronavirus, regardless of what is happening in life, mass, no mass, school, no school, I'm going to pin it to the ground and I'm going to praise the Lord. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to praise the Lord. That's how the book of Psalms ends a response of praise. You say, Christian, how is that even possible? It's possible for those who follow Jesus because of Jesus. Praise is possible in the midst of any life situation because of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 16, to his disciples. When he told them life would be hard, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You say, Christian, how can you say praise the Lord in the midst of everything going on? Because in the midst of everything going on, Jesus is still on the throne. So praise the Lord. See, Jesus said, I've told you that life's going to be really hard, but in me, things can be different. So when everyone else is complaining about everything else, you praise the Lord because you've got me. The apostle Paul doubles down on that a little more in Romans chapter 8. He says, who or what is going to separate you and me from the love of Christ? 
shall trouble, shall hardship, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall danger, shall sword, throw coronavirus, throw protests, throw looting, throw masks in there. Anything, can anything separate us from Jesus as it's written? For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So many Christians in the year 2020 are getting stuck at the top of verse 37. Boy, every day I walk outside my house and I'm facing death. And then I look around, we're just all a bunch of people waiting to die. Paul says, no, no, no. Not those of you who have Jesus, because if you have Jesus, things are different. You may have to wear a mask, but you have Jesus, you're different. You may not go to school, but you have Jesus, you're different. You may get sick, but you have Jesus, so you're different. You might die, but you have Jesus, so you're going to live forever. No, you are not the same. No, you cannot be hopeless. No, you don't need to throw life away. You have Jesus, and that changes everything. Let me ask you, church, have you forgotten this year that in the middle of everything else, you have Jesus, and that's a game changer? It's a game changer. You have Jesus. So what we're going to learn through the book of Psalms is choosing to praise does not ignore the bad happening around us. As a matter of fact, most of the book of Psalms is the bad happening around us. But what we learn in the last five chapters is refusing to praise does disregard the good happening around us. You say, well, what good is happening around us? You have Jesus. You have Jesus, and that makes all the difference in the world. First Peter said it this way to a church that was struggling under the weight of culture. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. He says everyone is like grass, and it sometimes it feels like everyone is just withering and dying. However, We feel different because we have the word of God. He said, man, 2020 has been so hard. You know what? It's been hard on everyone. But Christians have a different perspective because we have the son of God. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We have the hope of God. One day we have eternity with God. So we just look at things and process it different, or at least we're supposed to. And David said, at the end of all of it, we praise the Lord. Pastor Dan last week mentioned this verse, Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. A lot of translations, this verse says sorrow may stay for the night. I don't know about you. Sorrow, when it moved into my house this year, stayed more than a night. Anybody else? Sorrow stayed more, for a, more than a night. As a matter of fact, at one point, like I thought he had permanently moved into my house. Easter week, when our church wasn't able to worship together, Like sorrow knocked on my door, showed up, and I didn't realize it at the time, but he had packed all his bags, and he moved into my house for about six weeks. In the month of May, when we had to cancel youth camp, when we had to cancel vacation Bible school, when we had to cancel our Israel missions trip, when we had to cancel our Guatemala missions trip, like at that point, sorrow had about taken over my house. He was eating my food. He was sitting in my chair. He was holding the remote. And you know in my house, I better be asleep or dead if you're going to take the remote like out of my house. Like he was doing everything but making my children call him dad. And then he said, hey, how about, how about I move into your bedroom and your kids call me dad? And here's what happened. I was in a meeting in the back office with Pastor Scott, and we had canceled almost everything in the summer. And he said, we're not going to be able to do Love Week. We're not going to be able to do Love Week, Christian. There's no way we're going to be able to get 100 people together every morning and send them out on all these projects. It's not going to happen. And I said, you know what? Enough, enough. 
we're not, we're not canceling serving. Like, we can cancel camp, we can cancel vacation Bible school, we can cancel mission trips. We are not canceling serving our community. There has to be something we can do. I, that's too far. That's too far. And I was walking through the hallway after that meeting, and I ran into Sherry Hennig sitting down here who sits at that desk out there during the weekend. As I turned the corner, it's like God gave me an idea. And I pulled up to Sherry's desk, and I said, hey, I got an idea. And she looked at me like all of our staff look at me when I say that, and they're not anticipating having a meeting with me. It's not a look of excitement. It's not a look of fear. It's somewhere between those two. I usually can see them like swallow hard before they force a smile. I'm, st- I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it means, but it's like, <sighs> what's your idea? Um, and I said, I don't think we're going to be able to do Love Week, but what if, it's like, this is like the third week of May. I said, what if we can, could, could we like get a ministry partner and a ministry project every week? And could we starting June 1, which is like 10 days away, could we have a whole summer of serving? Like, could you line up like 12 or 13 weeks of partners, projects, things to do? And could we just invite people five or six at a time to serve all summer long? Can, like, can we figure that out? I know you have surgery in seven days and you're going to be out for a month. But like, could we, is there any possible way we figure that out? And she said, I'll work on it. And she sent me an email a week later and said, here's what I've got lined up. Of course, you know I'm going in for surgery, and I'll be out for 10 days, but um, man, we'll take our best shot. And you know what? We sit here 13 weeks later, after everything was canceled but serving our community, and this summer, our church did 59 different ministry projects serving partners in our community. 1,100, more than 1,100 people from our church served this summer. We did a celebration video, and that number went out last week. A pastor in town saw it and called me and said, you had 1,100 people show up to serve this summer? And I said, yeah. And he said, man, how many are coming on Sundays? And I said, like, 35. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not even sure where all of them came from. He said, man, they must like serving more than the sermons, which, like, I, maybe, maybe you do. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you'll have to tell me whether that is true or not. 1,500 community service hours served. 210 backpacks prepared for kids when they go back to school. 53 classrooms stocked with school supplies when school gets ready to open. More than 23,000 meals that were prepared and given away. Nearly 60,000 pounds of fresh produce that's given away every Monday at 2 o'clock. 70 pints of blood, including one from me that felt like 10 um, I wasn't even allowed to sit up until I'd had two cups of apple juice, a Diet Coke, and eight Nutter Butters. That was enough to kind of, like, at least lift my head up. And then they almost wheeled me out in a wheelchair, but I did it. I did it for you, Sherry. Um, I did it. And an impact center that opened up. You say, how, how'd all that happen? Listen closely. We told Sorrow, it's time for you to leave. You have stayed in this house too long Jesus needs his room back. It's time for you to leave. See, sorrow always wants to move into Jesus' room. He always wants to sleep in Jesus' bed. He always wants to eat Jesus' food. And you can't have Jesus in sorrow coexisting as the ruler of your emotional psyche. So we as a church said in this area of community service, sorrow, you got, you like, you got to go. You don't have to go home, but you got to get out of here. You, you, you got to go. Because the reality is this, when we look at the Christian life, sorrow is only a guest in the house of the Christian rejoicing his family. And when family comes home, the guest has to leave. So get your bags and go. Some of you, listen to me. I'm saying this because I love you. Some of you need to go home and tell sorrow, 
get your bags and leave. Get your bags and leave. Some of you watching online, I'm not talking about those of you who have underlying conditions that, that would make it unsafe for you to be here. I'm talking about those of you who are just struggling with depression and you haven't left your house. You need to go down the hallway and tell sorrow, next Sunday I'm going to church, you need to be out and don't come back. Sorrow's gotta go. Sorrow may stay for a night, but in 2020, he stayed for months. And guess what? When you kick him out of the house, he's gonna, he's gonna become a squatter. He's gonna camp out on your lawn. That's what's happening in 2020. Because like y'all know what's coming, right? Like, you know what I haven't heard one person say this year? I haven't heard one person say, 2020 has been so hard, but don't worry, there's an election coming and it'll make everything better. Like, like nobody, nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying everyone is so divided, but in November, everyone will be together. Like, no one's saying that. SARS is going to keep showing up. In June, we had church. We began serving our community. It was awesome. And then in July, they said, you got to wear a mask to sit in church. And I thought, oh, no. Nobody's going to come back to church. Ding dong. Sorrow showed up again. But I met him at the front door. He had all his bags. And he said, well, Christian, what are we going to do now? And I said, brother, there's no room at the end. You better keep moving. You better keep moving. Because you, you had your night at the Newsome household. You had your six weeks at the Newsome household. You're not welcome here anymore. Sorrow might stay for a night, but joy. Joy comes in the morning when we recognize that Jesus is still with us. So praise the Lord. That's what David says, praise the Lord. Sorrow might stay for a night, but he's not moving in full time. So praise the Lord. And when we begin to develop that mindset, praise becomes our choice, and then it becomes our voice. So we learned today the book of Psalms ends with a response of praise, but praise is a choice that then eventually becomes a voice. 150 different chapters in the book of Psalms, 150 different Psalms. David wrote 73 of them. David has kind of been our hero this summer. In First and Second Samuel, we learn about the life of David. He was a king in Israel. We learn about his best day and his worst day. His best day, 1 Samuel 17, he killed a big giant named Goliath and proved that he had a spiritual faith that would allow him to be king of Israel. He had this supernatural courage that God had given him. In 2 Samuel 11, you heard Pastor Ryan preach it a few weeks ago. He had his worst day spiritually. He committed adultery. He committed murder. I mean, he really backed up and had a really bad season spiritually. So in 1 and 2 Samuel, we see his best day and his worst day. But in Psalms, we see his heart, and his heart is what God wants us to see. Remember what God told Samuel when, when God said, here's who I want to be king. God said, the Lord doesn't look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So as you and I study the life of David, we should know less about David and Goliath and less about Bathsheba than we do about David's heart. You say, well, how do we find David's heart in the Psalms? We find his heart in the Psalms. The first Psalm he wrote started with the word blessed, Psalm 1, blessed. It was a connection to God that was eternal, that was intimate, that blessed his family, that gave him a purpose, that allowed him to serve who he was. It was a connection that was lost, but that the people of Israel were always looking for. He started looking for the blessing of God. The last Psalm that he wrote, the 73rd that he wrote in the book of Psalms was Psalm 145. And what was it? It was his response of praise. Notice the word response. I was reading a psychology journal the other day about the difference between responding and reacting. 
And psychologists said this, reacting, a reaction is something that happens in an instant. It's something that happens without thinking. It's based on the moment. It doesn't consider long-term effects. Note, there's a lot of people reacting to things in 2020. Would you agree? A lot of people reacting to things in 2020. Instant, not a lot of thought, based on the feelings of the moment, doesn't even consider long-term effects. There's a lot of spiritual reacting. It's never good. Spiritual reacting is never good. So I say David responds with praise. What is a response? According to the Psychology Journal, a response is based on careful consideration of information. A response is always based on the core values of who you are, what you're trying to accomplish. A response is always based on long-term effects. So David didn't have a good day after a bunch of bad days and say, now I praise the Lord. David considered all the good days. He considered all the bad days and said, when I consider all the information I have, when I consider who God has created me to be, how God has created me to live, when I consider the long-term outcome of my life, I'm going to choose to praise the Lord. And he gives us a lot of an emotional wrestling match through the book of Psalms, but he ends, his last psalm is a psalm of praise. I want to read through it with you to stop to show you a few thoughts that I think are really important and to give you some action steps on how you can live a life of praising God this week. Psalm 145 says this, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise you forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol. If you have your pen out and your Bible open, underline those words every day, circle that word extol. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, his greatness. No one can fathom. David looks back on a lifetime full of good and bad and said, here's my response. Every day, every day, I'm going to praise. Every day I'm going to praise and I'm going to extol the Lord. This Hebrew word extol means to go on and on about to give extreme weight to. Have you seen anyone extolling anything on Facebook this summer? Have you seen anyone extolling anything at the office this summer? Have you seen anyone or heard anyone extolling anything in conversations that you've been had? They just go on and on and on about something. David said, God, after I look back at a lifetime of experiences, here's what I'm deciding every day. I'm going to go on and on and on about Jesus. Every day, I'm going to go on and on and on about my relationship with you. Let me ask you, do you extol Jesus? You see, a lot of times people will, they'll give mention of Jesus. I think if you were to ask people who do not consider themselves Christians, but people who know Christians, even people who like Christians, if you would say, tell me what you know about your friend's Christianity, I think they would probably talk about a schedule more than a savior. I think they would talk about a home more than a heart. You say, what do you mean by that? I think if you ask most people who are not followers of Jesus, tell me what you know about Christians, they would say, they go to church. So they know about your schedule more than they know about your savior. They might even know your church home. They go to church at Journey or someplace else. They know your schedule. They even know your church home, but they don't know your Savior. They don't know his heart because there aren't very many Christians who go on and on about Jesus. But David said, here's how you praise the Lord. Every day you go on and on about Jesus. 
And it's a voice that can be very, very clear. Most people mix Jesus in. Usually they mix church in, but they mix Jesus in from time to time, and the voice gets lost. Y'all hear about the guy who snuck into the water park in Arizona that was under construction and died this week? He wanted, you know, Arizona, like one night, one night in Arizona this week, it got down to 110. So that's a place we're sneaking into a water park for like some, some cooling, right? He snuck into a water park that was under construction around 2.30 a.m., and he got stuck in one of the, the pipe fittings that he tried to sneak through, and, and he started crying out for help two, at like 2.30 a.m. Someone in the surrounding neighborhood called him, called the cops, like there's a guy stuck somewhere, and they looked for three hours before they found him, and when they finally found him, he had died, ran out of air. They said, what was the problem? They said because he was in a pipe, every time he cried out for help, it amplified his voice and it sounded like he was coming from all over the park. And his, his voice, because it was coming from so many different directions, did not allow us to find him. And when you just mix Jesus into everything else you're extolling, he gets lost. He gets lost. So David says, every day I'm going to extol, I'm going to extol Jesus. Because if not, that voice is going to get lost in all the other things that I extol and like and favorite and send and tweet and retweet and like and whatever. I will extol day after day after day. He continues in verse 4. One generation commends your work to another. Danielle and I spoke on this at Mother's Day. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I'll meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. You say, why should we extol and go on and on and on? Listen to the process of, that extolling has on other people. David said, when one generation commends it to another, they begin to listen. But as they continue to speak, the hearers begin to think about what's being spoken. And as they never stop talking about it, eventually they understand and they proclaim as well. David said, I extol, I go on and on day after day because a voice of praise allows others to hear. And then eventually, if you keep talking about it, it allows others to think about it. And then eventually, if you keep talking about it, it allows others to get to the point where they praise themselves. So David said, one generation talks, another hears it. But as they keep talking, they actually start listening to it. And as you keep praising, they actually open up their heart to what you're saying. So we've had a conversation with someone. They said no to Jesus. Yeah, but have they watched you consistently for years say the same thing? Because if they've heard it, I promise you, eventually they're going to begin to think about it. And if you just stay consistent in it, they may even open up their heart to it. Let's continue. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is, if you have your pen out, underline these three words, the Lord is. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. There it is. They go on and on. They tell of the glory of your kingdom. They speak of your might. Why? So that everyone else can know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. David says, the Lord is, the Lord is, the Lord is. And he says, eventually when people realize who the Lord is to me, they're able to see who the Lord can be to them. I go on and on about Jesus. I praise the Lord. Why? Because as people see who the Lord is to me, they'll be able to see who the Lord is to them. Let me ask you, if the Lord was to people what they understood the Lord was to you, what would he mean to anyone? Where you go to church on Sunday? Or more than that? Why you put up with a mask or don't? 
why you're going to be okay if your kids go back to school or not? Like, does Jesus, like, does he factor into any of those things? Do they understand in every decision who the Lord is to you? Or you having the Lord in your life means you, like, you go to church and they don't. And that's the only thing that separates you. David said, when they understand who the Lord is to me, they can begin to understand who the Lord could be to them. Let's look at verse 14. David says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all that he promises. He's faithful in all that he does. The Lord upholds all who fall. He lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous and in all his ways, he's faithful in all that he does. And then I love these verses as we zone in near the end of Psalm 145. It says, the Lord is near. I've got it underlined because anytime I read something like that, like that in scripture, I think, I want that. The Lord is near. I'm getting ready to learn a biblical truth. The Lord is near. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to take notes now because I want to be near the Lord. I hope if you're sitting in church on a Sunday, you want to be near the Lord. So now we begin to take notes. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires. I, I raise my hand at that. Who, who wants their spiritual desires fulfilled? I, like I, I, I do. I'll, I'll sign up for that one. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over. Who wants that? Who needs that in 2020? I'll sign, I'll sign up for that one. I'll sign up for the Lord watches over category in 2020. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. David says, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. Here's what it does for you. Here's what it does for our world, but here's what it does for me. And you say, Christian, I want to be near to God. Christian, I want God to fulfill the things he's put in my heart for why he's created me. Christian, I want God to watch over me. What do I need to do? You need to start praising God. You say, how do I do that? Let me give you five ways to praise God this week. Number one, pray. The Lord is near to those who call on him. The Lord is near to those who call on him. Let's, let's, Let's make that statement a question. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Everyone who prayed last week has God close to them. Second question, is God close to you? Everyone who prayed last week has God close to them. Is God close to you? The Lord is near to those who call on him. You say, you know what? I didn't spend a lot of time in prayer last week. That's okay. That's okay. Next week, let's do better. Come pray with us tomorrow at 6 a.m. or join us online at 6 a.m. Get that prayer journal. Start. The Lord is near. So I want to be close to God. The Lord's near to people who pray. Start praying. 21 days of prayer is coming. September 13th through October 3rd. Some of you have been trying to figure out what's the first thing I'm going to get out of my house to do. Join us for 21 days of prayer. You can pray outside. Any of y'all been up early enough to see the sunrise between 6 and 7 a.m.? Can you imagine just walking the building, praying, getting close to God for three weeks in September? Come pray with us. You don't have to come in the building. The Lord is near to all who call on him. But then number two, you got to learn the truth because it says the Lord is near to all who call on him, who call on him in truth, who call on him in truth. You got to study the word. You got to read the word. You got to listen to the word. Listen, if you don't already, if you're a follower of Jesus, let me ask you to do one thing. Download the Bible app on your phone. Go to the settings in the Bible app and sign up for the verse of the day. Every day at 6 a.m., which means if you wake up after 6 a.m., every day when you wake up, there'll be a Bible verse on your home screen to read. It is like the simplest 
spiritual discipline you can have. Just ask your phone to give you a verse a day. Download the Bible app, sign up for the verse of the day. Every day when you wake up, there'll be a Bible verse sitting on your phone. The Lord is near to all of those who call on him in truth. But then number three, you have to follow that truth. It says he fulfills the spiritual desires of those who fear him. You say, what does that mean? It means those who give him authority. God fulfills the spiritual desires of those people who learn enough truth to have it come up in their life where they think, I'm gonna go this way, and God says, no, go that way. And they think, you know what? Because I think God knows better than me, because I don't wanna offend God. I'm gonna go his way, not my way. God fulfills the spiritual desires of people who are following truth. And as you begin to do this, number four, you'll be able to choose love for God above all circumstances. Scripture says that he watches over those who love him. Let me ask you a question. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Because love is spelled T-I-M-E. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Are you spending any time together? I don't do very much marriage counseling. I'm not a good counselor. I'm not a trained counselor. I'm a pastor. I would rather tell people what the Bible says about their life than listen to them talk to me about why they're not living according to what the Bible says about their life. A pastor, not a counselor. But I ask the same question every time I do marriage counseling. If you ever call me and say, I need to talk to you about my marriage, I'm just, I'm going to front load it for you. Here's what you need to know. My first question for you when you come talk to me about your marriage is struggling is this. It has been for 20 years. When's the last time you had a date night? When's the last time you had a date night? Because 100% of the marriages that I talk to of people who are struggling, quit, they quit spending time together. And then I'll ask them this. When's the last time you took a vacation? Just the two of you. You know what 95% of people say, even if they've been married decades? Our honeymoon. Our honeymoon was the last time we took a vacation together. And I said, listen, you, you're not in love anymore because you don't spend any time together. You can't love someone you never spend time with. Go on a date. Go on a trip. Trust me, a vacation's cheaper than a divorce. Buy a plane ticket. Go. Have a good time. Talk to me when you get back, and we'll begin to talk through the next steps. You say, oh, I love God. You got to spend time with him. You got to spend time with him. And if you do that, You'll give a voice to your choice so that others see and hear your praise. And in a world where there's lots of things to talk about, you'll be the weird one who's always talking about just Jesus. And I promise you, when that happens, they'll begin to listen. David, last verse he wrote in the book of Psalms was this one. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. The last words written in the entire book of Psalms, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Choosing to praise doesn't ignore all the things going bad in the world. It just says with everything going bad in the world, I'm glad I have Jesus too because that makes it different for me than it is for everyone else. Praise the Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this room. For those of you outside, those of you watching online, if you came to church this morning separated from Jesus today, you've never personally connected your life to the God of heaven by asking Jesus to be your savior and following him. You may have walked in separated from God, but you don't have to leave separated. 
if you will open your life to Jesus. If you've never drawn close to a relationship with God by placing your faith in Jesus, today is the day to do that. You say, how do you do that? You just tell Jesus, I've been living life on my own and it's not working. I need your help. If you've never done that, and God is saying today, I am the answer to everything going on in your life, just pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray it from your heart to heaven, but just say something like this, Jesus, I need you. Just repeat after me, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive my sin and my brokenness. Heal me and make me brand new from the inside out. I surrender my will to your spirit. Please come into my heart and life and lead me. I'm committing today by faith, which means I don't understand it all. But I'm committing to it. I'm committing to follow you. If you just prayed that prayer with me in just a second, Pastor Mike will be back up here. He'll tell you how you can reach out to us so that we can pray with you, answer questions, give you some resources on your new walk with Jesus. But with heads still bowed and eyes still closed as our band works their way to the stage, if you're a Christian today who needs to go home and kick sorrow out of your guest room, you need to admit that. You need to mourn that he has stayed so long. You need to ask for help with that. Ask for God's help. Ask some of your friends to help you and hold you accountable to make sure you don't just live in sorrow for weeks and months to come. Have courage. Kick sorrow out. Invite Jesus back in. Sorrow can stay for one night, but joy comes back in the morning. If you're a Christian and today you've drifted from your walk with God, start over. You start over. We can't change last week, but we can change next week. Start over. Begin to pray. Get into the word. Start following it. Let your love for God rule your heart and your actions. Start telling people about Jesus and just go on and on about that until he comes back to get you or you go to him. Father, we thank you for what we've learned this summer in this wonderful book of Psalms. Some basic spiritual truth, hey, good things are gonna have God in their life to a more mature spiritual truth that those good things, they have to work their way through all the difficult hardships of our life. But at the end of the day, we can choose because of Jesus to praise you. God, I pray for the men and the women and the teenagers and kids as we get ready to face yet another difficult week in our community, hearing about school or no school or online school or in-person school, as we walk through mask or no mask, as we continue to work our way through protest, as friends lose jobs and have to move out of town, as family members get sick. God, through all of that, help us to look around and think, man, everything seems to be falling apart for everyone, but I have Jesus, so I will praise the Lord. I have the Son of God. I have the Word of God. I have the Spirit of God, which means I have the hope of God. Lord, thank you that you don't always protect us from the fire, but you always join us in the fire, and we don't live through 2020 alone. We have our Savior. We have your Spirit. We have your word, which means we can have your hope. God, as we prepare to worship you today, let us praise the Lord. Let us remember there's another in the fire. Let us remember light 
pierces darkness and let us live a life that goes on and on about that to our whole community, our whole city, our whole state, our whole country, our whole world knows about Jesus. That's our prayer. Help us with that as we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship with the team.